I like that one here. Welcome to the second episode of this new season. I am Dana Cassell, one of your hosts, and I'm honored to be a part of sharing this episode's story with you. Gabe Padilla is a new contributor to the podcast. 
He's a graduate of McPherson College and a member of the Wichita Church of the Brethren in Kansas. You'll hear him explain how he grew up Catholic, but felt a tug to join the Brethren when he was warmly welcomed into the McPherson congregation during college. He also details all the ways he's been an enthusiastic leader and servant in his congregation and in his district over the years. You might say, he tells us, that I like being involved. Gabe's involvement in the church that he's chosen hasn't been entirely smooth sailing, though. I'll let him tell you that story himself. But listening to Gabe tell his story did make me think about this lesson from my friend Lurie. You can hear Lurie back in episode 24. But one of the lessons she's taught me is about the difference between standing stubbornly in what she calls a positional posture and the gift of offering a confessional contribution to any conversation. Positional takes are ones that declare universal opinions on the topic at hand, like everyone should do or say or be or believe or act this way. Confessional offerings, on the other hand, are more personal and contextual. They allow us to speak from our own embodied experience and to share from our hearts. Learning about this difference and trying and failing and trying again to practice it consistently has been transformational for me. It is hard to speak only from our own experience and trust that it will be enough. It requires that we believe in ourselves and trust that our way of inhabiting the world is true, but it also means that we have to constantly acknowledge that others experience the world differently. Practicing being a confessional person requires a heavy dose of grace and a deep sense of trust that God intended all these differences when she created us, formed each one of us in the womb. In this episode, Gabe shares a beautiful confessional offering, and I am so grateful and excited for all of us to receive it. Growing up, I was raised Catholic. As a baby, I was baptized, at nine months to be exact. Then at seven years old, I had my first communion. Almost every Sunday, I went to Sunday school and church because that was what was expected of me. I didn't mind it at first. Learning prayers and saints were interesting. I didn't always like going to confession, but I did it because that's what we were supposed to do. At least that is what I thought. As I got older, I began to question my faith. What was I really coming to church for? I realized I was going to church to make my family happy. I wasn't going to church to be a better person. There's nothing wrong with being Catholic, only that my heart and mind were wondering if there was anything more than this type of Christianity. Since my parents were divorced, my mom didn't force us to go to church when I was a preteen and a teenager. She told us that going to church didn't make us holy. She did have a point, but I didn't want to fight my dad's family on it, especially when I lived with my nana Lucy, my dad's mom. 
I never fought going to church my senior year of high school. I remember in high school though, people around me said that Catholicism didn't accept people in the LGBT community, and I didn't believe them because that wasn't how I was raised in my family anyways. But one day after mass, I looked through the pamphlets and one of them talked about conversion therapy, which instantly turned me away. I realized that Catholicism and others have moved away from such practices, but it still scarred 18-year-old Gabe more than anything. When I got to McPherson College, that's when everything changed. I knew that the college was affiliated with the Church of the Brethren, but I didn't think much of it. That's until I quickly realized that the majority of my really good friends were Church of the Brethren. Some even going to the church that was literally across the gravel road from my dorm room. I remember friends of mine who were religion majors explaining the history of the church and what the church stood for. Then in the middle of my freshman year in college, McPherson Church of the Brethren was in the process of becoming open and affirming and I sat in on a town hall meeting. Open and affirming meant becoming more inclusive. I knew then that I wanted to be a part of this church and community. Since I knew how traditional my family was in terms of religion, I was quite nervous to begin going to the COB with my friends. My family believed at the time that it isn't a great thing to switch religions, and I knew they didn't mean that harshly, that's just how they were taught growing up. Over time, I told my family about this church I had found and building relationships with the people, including my professors, who also went there. Eventually, my family slowly began accepting my new thoughts on Christianity. By my senior year, I was going every Sunday to the COB, helping with Wednesday night meals and going to Sunday school. Because I got so involved and my Nana Lucy saw how much of an impression I was making at this church, she accepted my newfound faith of Christianity and not so much Catholicism. Even after graduation and moving back to Wichita, I continued to go to the McPherson Church, where I became a member in the summer of 2016, was a district conference delegate for two years, and even led worship once. Eventually, I transitioned to the Wichita Church of the Brethren, where I am now involved in being a Sunday school teacher, help with Christian ed stuff like Sunday school in a sack, a children's storyteller, and volunteering where I was needed. Through these years of becoming a fellow brethren, I also got involved with Western Plains District. There were times I felt like an outsider because I met so many people whose families had generations of brethren and they were well known in the district and the denomination. Thankfully, being outgoing really helps you get to know people. Within four years, I'm pretty sure there are maybe a handful of people I don't know in leadership positions. Through this, I was able to become a camp counselor at both camps and a co-director a few times, a child care coordinator at district conference and the gathering we had. So you can say I like being involved.
A few years ago, I decided to take a huge step and get baptized, despite getting baptized as a baby. I decided this because I wanted to give myself to God and this denomination. I take pride in saying that I chose to be a child of God in this denomination, that I could see myself not only benefiting spiritually from, but also that I could make an impact in. It took a lot for me to get baptized a second time coming from a traditional Catholic family, but I wanted it to be for me. What I haven't mentioned yet is that McPherson College Church of the Brethren really piqued my interest for becoming open and affirming because at the time I was a female who was dating a female. At the time, I was a lesbian. So this church was a part of my transition from being female to male, or as some people say, I am transgender. Through watching the McPherson Church become a safe space, I became the president of GLOW, gay, lesbian, or whatever. At the college, I helped facilitate safe zone trainings after I came out as a transgender male. A lot of people ask me how I know I'm male and not female who likes being a tomboy. It really hit me in high school that I preferred being referred to as a male. I loved male clothing and it never really fit in with any females. I had and still have female friends but it never felt right. I always wanted to emulate my dad in any male figures in my life. It was hard to explain but it was a complicated three year road for me to figure out who I was. I feel like it was destiny to be at McPherson College during the time where I not only had the Dean of Students in my corner, but I also had a church that accepted me for me. Because of that, I really never had any issues with being accepted. I even got to live in an all-male dorm there and live authentically as myself. Coming from the McPherson Church of the Brethren, being open and affirming, I was really nervous to be open about who I was at the Wichita Church. Thankfully, between knowing a few people, it felt super comfortable to go. One of the elders of the church introduced me to the church because she had known me the majority of my life. She actually had my grandparents in class, so that tells you how deep the connection was. I kept it under wraps about who I was because I was easily able to pass as male. That was until Lent. During Lent, the church asked people to share their faith stories. Since I was new and on the Lent committee at the time, they asked me to share mine. Therefore, despite knowing I was getting ready to out myself, I told my story as I was wrestling with my faith intertwined with me being a part of the LGBT community. I know people try to separate those, but I was really trying hard to embrace my intersectionality. Many people have thoughts about what God thinks about LGBT people. I have wrestled with this question a lot. When I came out as a lesbian, people in my family cried and told me God wouldn't accept me because of it. I told them multiple times that if God didn't accept me, then why did they make me this way? 
I also believe if Jesus were living now, they would be telling us to love one another despite our differences on views. However, I believe Jesus would make it non-negotiable to love our LGBT neighbor. I know people reference the Bible, but I always tell them, God did not write the Bible. People wrote the Bible. And after being passed down for many generations, centuries, not everything could be taken for literal. Because if we did, there were a ton of rules that we have broken in our society today. I have always viewed that. What I believe at all times is that the greatest of these is love. So we need to love one another, get to know one another, and maybe the hate will be wiped away. I learned through my Nana Lucy that being kind to everyone is the key to life and earning respect. This is something I follow even when it is hard because choosing to be kind and loving is how I envision God and Jesus to be. I was really nervous to jump in to meeting people from across the district as someone who was an outsider or felt like one at first. That What was kind of nice though, a lot of people I met in the McPherson church or through the college ended up being a part of district stuff. So despite being nervous, what I really enjoyed was that people who knew me got me involved with the district conference and introduced me to people. I'm in the small minority who wasn't raised in the COB, but after four years, it feels like I know just about everybody. I wasn't truly open about being transgender because I figured that wasn't exactly something you bring up in a church setting really. But I was on social media. So as I began adding people from the district on there, I knew my secret would come out. I can't really say secret because I was open with anybody that asked. I just have this weird traditional mindset at times. Last year, I was GLSEN Educator of the Year, which is an organization that ensures all students feel safe in schools, regardless of gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation. So my social media presence was huge at the time because I was posting about it and proud of it. Around that time, I had become child care coordinator for a district conference in the gathering and planned to be the head person as long as I was able to since I'm a young guy and all. I truly believe that God gives us all gifts and mine happens to be working with all sorts of children, newborn to college adults even. So I was pretty happy about doing the job for the district. However, I found out before the gathering that there were people who had found out who I was, meaning transgender, and they complained about me being in charge of kids. To be honest, this was the first time in my life that I had felt discriminated against for being LGBT from people I knew but I didn't know well. Still, I pressed on to finish my job at the gathering in October of 2019. The gathering went well. I ended up having 10 boys to be in charge of that weekend, so it was a blast. Thankfully, no one directly said anything, but I knew behind closed doors that wasn't the case. 
They were also trying to get me to not participate in church camp. Thankfully, that was thrown out quickly. Despite all the negative backlash I got and people in my close circle telling me to leave the district, I chose to stay. Partly because I think about the younger generation and how I don't want them in the same position as me. Sadly, even though I offered to do childcare for a long time and told everyone that, they magically elected to go with someone who happened to volunteer out of nowhere. It really hurt me that people in Western Plains leadership really gave in to people complaining solely because of who I am and not knowing that I don't bring up who I am with kids. I know I had to do something about it after district conference. Therefore, I got the courage to write district leadership team a letter in August of 2020, basically telling them I am a person that deserves to be treated equally and have the qualifications to be in the positions I am and was in within the district. I'm a fourth year teacher, have a degree in education, have babysat children, newborn to high school age since I was about 12. I have also had experience being a camp counselor and director. I know some people were probably upset by my letter or felt threatened, but I can honestly say that it came from a place of wanting to be understood and wanting to understand. It took months, but I was slowly but surely hearing things from people around the district about my letter, so I knew that they were deliberating it. Finally, though, in November, I was sent a message about the verdict of my letter and everything I had gone through. Western Plains District came out with a non-discrimination policy stating that employment, membership, or participation in all district church hirings or district activities shall be open to all without regard to ethnicity, race, skin color, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, disability, or creed. When I saw this, I knew that my story had a small impact on this decision because I stood up. I know so many people on leadership team that I wondered what this decision would look like. I am and was elated by the fact that the people saw me for me regardless of who I am, meaning being trans and all. So I really thank the people in Western Plains District leadership who helped make this happen and made me feel comfortable enough to speak up. A non-discrimination policy is important for everyone that doesn't fit the normal and wants to listen to their calling from God and help the district. Maybe you're wondering, so this is the end, right? Gabe got his happy ending in the district. It's all over, right? Wrong. It's only begun. I have gotten word that there are rumblings in the district that people are ready to argue against this non-discrimination policy at district conference, which happens at the end of July. While I'm not surprised, it does worry me that people are missing the point of the non-discrimination policy. This allows for anyone who isn't white, able-bodied, or male to participate. Someone who has many layers of intersectionality can now participate. 
Best believe I will be there. And despite the fact I normally stay quiet, I know it is time for me to stand up visually and vocally. I know I am just one person, but it only takes one person. What am I worried about denominationally? I am worried that LGBT people wanting to be just like everyone else and me wanting to be a part of their district and denomination to make it better will not be allowed to participate. I have heard the church preach, all children of God have gifts to share. I worry that they will not be allowed to participate simply because they are part of the LGBT community. I know that this will create a division and a split that is already looking to happen, which makes me sad. Jesus loves everyone, regardless of who they are. Jesus hung out with people who we call the other. Why is it so hard for us to choose kindness and love? What is my hope for the future? My hope for the future is that the Wichita Church becomes officially open and affirming. As a district, I hope that we are to remember that God is love, that we are to love the least of these, and that we affirm the non-discrimination policy. My hope is that one day that the denomination has a non-discrimination policy like Western Plains does to ensure that anyone can participate and feel safe to be themselves with siblings in Christ. What I have noticed about Brethren is that we want to be into social justice and love everyone. As a Hispanic, transgender, first-generation Brethren, we need to start practicing what we preach as Christians. We need to live the greatest commandment. Love God and love our neighbor without exception. I'm so grateful to Gabe for sharing his story and for reminding us of the greatest commandment to love God and love our neighbor. No exceptions. Arguments about the LGBTQ people and their role in the church have roiled for decades in the Church of the Brethren, but almost without exception, these arguments have been about queer people and not with queer people. Rarely have our common conversations centered the experiences of the ones who are most affected by what we're talking about. This is foolish and harmful. If the church wants to be faithful in our discernment together, then we have to listen first to the people who are most affected by our decision making. Did you hear Gabe say that the first time he felt discriminated against by people he knew for being LGBTQ was in the church? That is really troubling. And it's something that we in the church need to hear 
And it's something that we in the church need to confess and repent and work to repair. I am really grateful to Gabe for standing up and telling his story in his church, in his district, and here on the Dunker Punks podcast. My prayer is that we will have ears to hear. Gabe says it best himself. I know I'm just one person, but it only takes one person. Dunker Punk's podcast is a community of folks committed to choosing kindness and love and loving our neighbors, no exceptions. This episode was created by Gabe Padilla, Jacob Krause, and me, Dana Cassell. Jacob Krause creates our music. Allie Cooney manages communication. Suzanne Lay manages production. Arlington Church of the Brethren and On Earth Peace sponsor the show. We love connecting with you, and you can find us online. Our show page and the archives of all 112 episodes, plus a few bonus episodes, is on iTunes. You can subscribe and leave a comment there, or you can find all those archives at arlingtoncob.org dpp. You can follow us on social media at DunkerPunksPod, and you can email us if you have an idea for a show or a comment about something you've heard at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. We've also started a newsletter, and you can sign up to receive that newsletter at uh, bit.ly slash dpp underscore e newsletter or just find it on our homepage there at arlingtoncob.org we're also looking for ways to include you as donors and supporters financially of the show did you know that every person who helps to make this podcast gets compensated for their time you can sponsor an entire episode for 150 dollars supports an audio contributor, but even $5, whatever you have to give, will add up when it's put together with so many other donations. And that's what this podcast is all about, joining together to make something beautiful. Join us for our next episode, which will feature part two of Annalisa Gross's interviews on leadership, follow-up from episode number 107. Until next time, Dunker Punks, here's your invitation. To love God, love your neighbor, choose kindness always.